Welcome to episode 1251 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I am Justin Mason, joined as always by Jason Collette. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, we talk, I think you know, it's always been like this weather thing. Two weeks ago, it was freezing, then it was yucky rain. Today's actually gorgeous, and it's a, it's an awesome day because we're in like day five of PitchCon. You and I were just watching the Ron Chandler uh, presentation, uh, and then you know, you're know you on uh, about two hours from now. I'm on at the uh, last slot of the night uh, with, with Sarah Langs and, and Meg Rowley, so I'm looking forward to that. And like a couple of things. One, before I forget, uh, shout out to Mike uh, from uh, D Magazine, uh, who who listens to the podcast, also runs Jamie Newberg's book ordering. Uh, and they made sure I got the book. I ordered uh, one of the, the Jamie's Texas Rangers World Series edition for my kid brother, who's a huge Rangers fan. Uh, and Mike made sure I got a copy. So thanks, Mike. And then secondly, happy Rotolab day. If you're a Rotolab user like me and love it, it is live today. If you go to Baseball HQ uh, or you go to rotolab.com, you can go find that. Uh, I, it is my personal for all you old farts out there like me. It's my personal American Express card. I never leave home to draft without it. I love Rotolab uh, and I've used it forever. It is out today. Happy Rotolab day. I know a lot of people have been waiting for it. I even heard from a friend of a friend yesterday who's in a draft and is like, I feel lost without Rotolab. And that's kind of how I've always sum it up because it is my notepad for the next month. Everything I do is in there. That way you know, I've got uh, the Waffle House uh, Wharf League uh, in a couple of weeks. Then it's labor. Then it's, then it's, uh, I'm missing a league at one point, my hardballers league, then it's tout and then it's local leagues. Uh, yeah. I've got a lot of stuff coming up. So I am super happy Rotolab is finally out. Yeah, uh, I've used Rotolab in the past. I now use Tanner Bell spreadsheet. Um, well, I use that too. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and for so. those you don't know, uh, you know, if you go to smart uh, smartfantasybaseball.com, Tanner Bell's put together some uh, different pieces out there. They have the uh, the appendix to the process book. Uh, so if you bought, if you've previously bought their process book, they wrote an appendix this year, and for fourteen ninety nine, you get a hundred pages of new information. I bought that the other night and was reading that on Friday night while I was watching uh, first pitch panels. And then probably my favorite thing that Tanner's ever done is the projection aggregator. I mean, Justin, yeah. I know you're somebody who does uh, sits down and does their own projections. I've always said I do not, uh, but I do love the projections aggregator because you can take up to five different sources. Uh, so you could pull the fan graphs, you can pull Rotowire, you can pull baseball HQ, whatever. You can pull five different things, and that tool will then aggregate those up, and then you can weigh those. So if you like one source more than the other, you can say, okay, I want to weigh this projection system, give it a five, give this one a one. So it gives you some flexibility. And what the reason why I like it is because it then – it's a, it's a study tool for me because you can pull all those in and see where those things are. But then you know, going back to Rotolab, Rotolab only allows you to import Baseball HQ projections. So if you can take that, then it's like, okay, you're sitting and you're sitting and transposing the projections from Tanner Bell's aggregator into Rotolab. And that allows you to take a deeper look at players. And so that's mm -hmm. honestly how I spend a lot of my uh, February getting ready for those March draft, uh, draft preps, especially in the deeper AL uh, leagues that I play in is that method. So uh, happy to talk to anybody uh, who wants. I've seen some people leaving comments here in the YouTube channel uh, or in the Discord. Happy to engage anybody and talk about that process if you'd like. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you, I think you should go into every draft, whether it's in a draft or an auction, with some sort of software. Like it's Unless you were playing in a league uh, that does not allow you to bring that kind of stuff in, and there are leagues out That's there. That's XFL. Like, <laughs> yep. Uh, you should... 
definitely make sure that you have uh, some sort of software if you just give you proper valuations. Um, so I uh, highly recommend both those products. We're going to talk again about a product that we have all uh, played and, and talked about and uh, endorsed. Um, uh, we talked about the NFBC, NFFC stuff uh, on Friday with Paul. Mm -hmm. You wanted an opportunity to kind of chime in. Uh, and I have just a minor, like, I don't know if it's update or um, but just I want to talk a little bit more. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you the floor. What were your thoughts? What are your thoughts on everything that's happened over there at NSF? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are for the people. I mean, for those who don't know, uh, Greg and Tom were colleagues of mine at one point. We were all together at Fanball. Uh, if, if we rewind way back when, uh, when I was at Roto Junkie, Roto Junkie was purchased by Fanball. Uh, Ryan Houston, the group, and they purchased. So we became all, we all became one company. Uh, they, they bought the rights for that. Uh, and so in 2000, from 2008 to 2010, when Liberty, Liberty Media uh, basically absorbed Fanball and, and busted it up, uh, I was colleagues with with Greg and Tom. Uh, and so like, I've, I've known these guys for that long and I've, I've helped run some of these drafts. Um, and I just feel for them because I mean, they, they have literally poured everything into uh, all of this. Uh, and so, yeah. And the other thing I would say, so I feel for the, 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 the people there uh, because those two are just awesome dudes. And I would say that the new person they brought in, I don't know if folks saw the news, but Jeff Stein is the new person they've added to staff. Jeff was also a colleague of mine back then. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever used mock draft central back in the day, that Jeff was the brains or really the, the guy that ran that whole operation. Uh, and so I'm excited to see how Jeff's going to help uh, bridge everything. I don't, you know, well, I basically withhold all the other judgments until everything else has come out. You know, it's, you never know how to, how you're going to handle a situation like this. Cause this was like, you know, you don't know how, you know, as, as Greg and Tom, it's like, how do you, you never thought this was going to happen. And I don't, you know, I get it uh, with that, but I think, you know, they've done the best job possible to, to do what they've done over the past week and what has easily been the most uh, you know stressful time of their professional career. Uh, and I, I've seen some of the emotions in the uh, in the NFBC Discord, uh, Discord channel, or the NFC rather, uh, Discord channel. Uh, it hasn't creeped its way over to Threads or, or Blue Sky, so I, I've only had screenshots of Twitter stuff sent to me. Uh, but I, I get it. I know some people are going to be emotional, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it's back. Honestly, I'm not even trying to compare these two situations, but it's like one of the reasons why I haven't commented much on the whole Wander Franco situation. With, with the absence of details, I'm not going to go out there on this pedestal and start screaming about stuff. Give me the details. Let me make my own judgment. So, you know, feel for the people. Uh, I'm still playing uh, with everything. But again, I'm, I don't have giant bankroll in it. I mean, you have bankroll in it. So it's like your opinion uh, weighs more than me. I just wanted a moment to speak. Uh, you know, don't forget the people side of this because these two guys have put in a lot of blood, sweat and tears over the years. Uh, and are two of the nicest dudes I've ever met in this industry. And I really feel for them that they have to go through this right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm with you. I mean, I, you know, obviously if worse information comes out or something like that, you know, we may change our opinion of right. uh, everything going on there uh, at this point. Um, but it's been a pretty quiet couple of days since, you know, uh, Paul and I uh, last talked about it. So I think the hope is that maybe this, the worst of it is passed. Um, I spent the weekend talking to a number of people who I really trust their opinion of, um, including people in the legal profession and uh, uh, 
and after and people who deal with this kind of specific law and stuff right um after doing that i feel better about playing there um and so and and what i said on friday still stands i totally understand if other people don't want to play there um i totally understand if people want to pull their money out um but after having the discussions i did with the people that i trust um i am making the decision to continue to play there um and i also said that i would be very uh transparent about whether or not i was going to uh, mm -hmm. continue to do that because that was something that was up in the air about now if something else were to come out maybe i might change that decision but i wanted to you know voice that because on friday i voiced that i was pretty scared about uh, uh whether or not i should be playing there so um you know i'm going to continue to play on nfbc uh at least for the time being uh tgfbi is uh is for the time being is going to stay on nfbc uh and i understand if people and some people have already voiced that they're going to drop out of tgfbi uh because of that and i respect that decision um but uh i think in spite of everything that's gone on there or over there the last week i still think it is one of the best platforms in fantasy baseball to play on and uh, uh and because of how the conversations i have i feel a lot better about continuing to play over there. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for uh, doing some of that legwork on the back. It's always nice to, you know, seek outside. You know, I mean, just seek outside counsel, like somebody yeah. who's uh, less attached to it emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you've played for a few years. Obviously, you, you know, you've won some money, you've lost some money, but you know, we won't bring up your first main event team again. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> if this had happened after that first main event team, I might feel. Differently, uh, yes, it was that it was the it was the system's fault that you drafted yeah, all those guys exactly. So, uh, but I mean, uh, you know, I think we all hope that the the worst has uh, already been discovered, and um, you know, and that we can go back to playing, uh, and hopefully they'll fix, and that they will fix all the mistakes that yeah. led to this being possible. Uh, but in the meantime. Uh, I I feel much better about playing on their platform on uh, on the NF, uh, BC NFFC platform, uh, and yeah. So if you have further questions, you can hit me up on social media, just Mason FWFB, or hit up Jason. His link tree uh, for all of his social media is in the show notes. So and you know uh, the only thing that's not in the link tree is my email address. It's pretty simple. My first name dot last name at Gmail. You want to reach out to me that way feel free i just you can't slide into my dms unless you're on instagram you can do it there uh but that's the <laughs> other way my and i don't put out the email address only because i don't want to get bombed with spammers but if you're listening to the show feel free to reach out to me yeah and my email is justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com feel free to email me as well even if you have questions for the show if you want to uh ask questions for us to answer on the show uh we haven't done that in a really long time but uh yeah we can, yeah we or guests that like hey who do you guys want you know yep. give us some guest suggestions we just and i were talking last week we've had a few like hey who can we bring in on a sunday um you know this week's a little tough because all the talents is uh focused with nick uh on yes. right now. which you and i will be there for i'm gonna be there in mm -hmm. like uh less than two hours and then you're gonna be there tonight Yes, I get to hit the cleanups, the, I guess cleanup when, you, when you're the very last slot of the evening. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess it's hitting cleanup. Uh, just 
hoping to do my part. Good Lord willing, one day at a time. Yeah, all the quotes. So there you go. <laughs> uh, we are because we're both going to be on PitchCon and we have stuff to prepare for. This will be a little bit shorter episode than uh, we normally do on Sunday. Uh, but we do have actually some transaction to cover. I thought we were going to cover the Matt Chapman news to Chicago. Unfortunately, I was duped by a fake Jeff Passan, assisted by my wife, uh, who was like, you see Matt Chapman signed with the Cubs? And I was like, oh, great. And I went and looked, and I was like, oh, Jeff Passan's picture, his name, not his Twitter handle. Um, and so, uh, but Jason caught that. So we don't have to discuss that. Yeah, I caught uh, that. And I was like, and, and, you know, listeners, Justin was just doing what every husband should do. Assume your wife is right. Yeah. But Absolutely. you can go back to her and say, uh, you were wrong. Uh, now, Justin, you know, you may be able to go to the show afterwards and be like, hey, Danielle, we just talked about the whole Matt Chapman thing. And then she realizes, oh, crap, I forgot to tell you. I was duped. It's like, great. Now we've got to re-record. I'm going to go back to my room and buy yourself an extra hour. You know, go hide. Mm -hmm. and, but, you know, sorry, Danielle. I know you're listening to this going, I thought I liked Jason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all seriousness, the, if the Matt Chapman, just real quick. It makes a ton of sense for the Cubs that they were to do that because right now Nick Madrigal is slated to hit uh, ninth and play third base for that team. So it makes a ton of sense if they were to do something, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I mean, we're guys are reporting the camp in two weeks. I'm still surprised at the amount of names that are still sitting out there. I'm shocked. I really thought we would have the vast majority of signings done by now, and we may be waiting on some of the lower end names. Uh, but right now, they're still. Top four top four eight uh, free agents that have not signed. Maybe um, it'll be this week because they're waiting to get you know the whole. Let's give the Super Bowl media day and then like okay, boom, yeah, let's let's try to get them in this week before football is just like completely yeah. drowning things out next week. Yeah, I mean maybe that is what uh, the plan is. I you got to think they're going to be signing the at least the top four are going to be signing before uh, you know. Uh, they all report to camp. So See, if I had a, if I had a fake passing account, I'd be I'd be sending out Blake Snell's coming back to Tampa Bay. He got oh, tired of waiting. He said, "I want to go back to Kyle Snyder." See, that would that uh, would, would be a pretty out. easy tip off. That is a fake account right there. So, uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's talk about a third baseman um, that's got a new contract, but it is Colt Keith signing uh, a long term deal, a six year deal in Detroit giving up that arbitration time. Uh, do you think this means he is going to make the opening day roster? Uh, I would assume so. I, I would be kind of surprised if they didn't do that. I mean, it's nice to see them go out and do this. Uh, you know, I was, we, I think we were looking at, uh, they're talking about the Tigers roster recently. And there's a lot of, I mean, Colt Keith was a guy that was getting all the attention. Uh, you know, they need to have, and even I see that uh, Jason Martinez has him listed as second base. Interesting. So I was kind of, you know, kind of surprised there. I, I would think McKinstry would be the better second base fit <laughs> uh, there. Well, and they, have, and they have Chase Young too in the minor leagues. Who yeah. Take second base. So yep. I don't think that uh, Keith is uh, going to be playing very much second at the major league level. Yeah. So I could see him. I could see him definitely coming up. When we look at his ADP over the past month, his ADP has been sitting just outside the 350. Uh, at 363 for the month of January and draft champions, uh, min 300, max 403. Now that we would assume that he's going to have a bump, uh, he should be moving up the process uh, a little bit. So that should, we should see that come up a little bit uh, with that. And, you know, I, the position's got more depth. I'm not as concerned about third base um, this year. I don't know how you stand on that, but I think the position has more depth. And you look at where Keith is going right now. 
he's the 31st third base eligible player by ADP off the board. Uh, I could expect this signing to push him into the top, you know, top 25 at a minimum. Uh, but you could also see him going up right on, on the fringe of the top 20 because right now Candelario uh, is at 20, McMahon's at 21, Caminero's at 22, Renhifo at 23, um, the still unsigned Matt Chapman's at 24, um, and then Eugenio Suarez is sitting at 25, who, by the way, Zips really does not like this year. Uh, and if you had Eugenio Suarez, you know, I mean, there's a lot, obviously a lot of risk there, but I was looking at uh, reading something the other day uh, and it just talked about how uh, Suarez was really not uh, really not well liked by Zips. Hmm. Yeah, I I think this definitely I was actually just chatting with Paul. Um, just texting oh, of course, with him. he loves it, right? Yeah, like he was like, you know. Cold teeth, and I was, I was like, "He's <laughs> cold." Um, Explains yeah. the sign over your shoulder there, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think in, in Paul, what Paul said is what I agree with. I think this definitely gives him a better opportunity. I don't know for sure that he will make the opening day roster. He is not a good defender, um, and it really depends on you know what the Tigers want to do in terms of the defense. Uh, I think that he is destined to be like a first base DHman at some point in his career. Maybe they let him play third base for a little while, but um, he's, he's a big dude with a lot of power and a pretty good hit tool. So uh, I would take the gamble, I think where he's going currently. Uh, and I mean, obviously he's going to go up quite a bit here in the, uh, in the next few weeks uh, as drafts start to, you know, go uh, and reflect this. But um yeah, I mean, right now you said he's the thirty first. Thirty first over uh, in the month of January. Okay, so uh, my guess is he's gonna jump up, probably to that Eugenio Suarez territory. Um, but even that, like, I'm I'm it's okay like eighty with that. picks. Yeah, yeah like that's I, that's I'm five six that. rounds. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty decent gamble. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I've got him already in a couple leagues. I did think he was going to be at least up early. Uh, so I'm glad I got the early discount. Discount's going to be gone now because he will be jumping up into that top 300 picks. Uh, but the hit tool is there, uh, and there is a ton, like I said, a ton of power in the bat. Um, I think that he could put up like a 250 to 260-ish season with 25-plus home runs in his rookie year if he's up uh, day one and um, – uh, and I think there's more upside for even more power. Yeah, I know there's there's likely some concern. Like if you look at the Detroit roster right now, this gives them five left-handed bats in the projected lineup with Parker Meadows, Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter, Colt Keith, and Zach McKinstry. They can't platoon everybody. So yeah, they yeah. they have Andy Abanez and Matt Veerling on the bench. I know that I was listening to the outfield preview uh, with Eno and and DVR yesterday on, on driving around town, and they talked a little bit about this Detroit uh, depth chart situation. But they can't platoon everybody. Somebody's yeah. going to have to come in here. Uh, some of these lefties are going to be out there uh, on a everyday basis. Uh, you know, Abanez could come in for McKinstry. Veerling is could come in, but at the same time, you know, as Eno and DVR were talking about. You have to look at center field defense uh, and Riley Green, you know, or Meadows. You know, those guys will be in there uh, doing that. So, yeah, I'm not as concerned about platoon situation here because there's only so many guys they could platoon. Yeah, no, I I, I would completely agree with that. Let's uh, let's move on to the next guy. Uh, Hector Neris does go to the Cubs. No Matt Chapman yet, at least, uh, but they did get <laughs> Hector Neris. 
Uh, any chance he gets into a closing role or is really fantasy relevant for the most part? Uh, I would say this. I have I drafted uh, Alzale as my second closer in the AFL Speakers League a couple of days ago. And when I saw this Naris news, I was a little bit like, maybe, you know, maybe I would have waited around. But then again, you look at Naris, and I definitely have my concerns here uh, for him getting that if he were to do that. Because you look at a few things. First of all, he's coming off a season with a 219 BABIP. And his career is like 280, but it was a, a you know, almost an 80 uh, 80 point drop from previous years. So that was an outlier for him. And then we're talking about a guy with a 32 uh, percent ground ball rate, a lot of fly balls, and he was able to survive that in Houston because you know Naris is one of the kings of soft contact. He gets a lot of that. Uh, Wrigley Field as a whole could be more uh, could be less forgiving rather than Houston because Houston, yes, it has Crawford boxes, but the rest of the park plays okay. Wrigley on any given day could be problematic uh, depending on the weather. So a high fly ball pitcher who's baked in for some regression that has had had walk problems last year. I'm not terribly concerned. It's an option, but I maybe you can get a little bit of a discount on Azale now um, based off this. But I'm not. I still think Azale is the guy leading this team in saves, and he's got 25 plus saves. Naris may pick up a handful. He's had five over the past two years. He had 12 with Philly, but pitched his way out of that. I mean, if you go back and look at 2021, where he pitched his way out of that role as well. So uh, we'll see what we'll see where it happens on this. But I don't think uh, that Naris is going to come in and take the the lion's share of saves. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think this is just added depth to the back end of their bullpen. Maybe if something were to happen, Alzelay he got injured, something like that. Naris could be the next guy up, but. They also have other guys in this bullpen that would make sense uh, to be the next guy up. And Naris is been... Merriweather, baby. I'll yeah, exactly. Quit. I'll never quit so. Merriweather. And then you still have as what's this? No, he they got rid of him. Uh, they have Estrada. Mark Leiter. Uh, no, I'm looking at Estrada, Jeremiah Estrada, the uh, stuff. But I'm sure he's. I forgot where he went. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't. Is he? Did he get moved or is he just got the minors? He got moved okay. somewhere. Uh, got Jeremiah Estrada is with the Padres. Oh, there you go. So, um, all right, moving right along. Another guy who might get into some saves is Adam Ottavino re-signing with the Mets. Kind of a really bummer move for him because he had opted out of a six and a half million dollar deal, only gets four and a half million dollars in the end to return to the Mets. Uh, but do you think Adam Ottavino could be a guy who gets some saves? Yeah, the only upside to that for him is at least he's from that area. So it's like yeah. he doesn't have to leave home. He's got a whole pitching lab that he built in uh, in Brooklyn, I think. So, you know, he's at least close to there. My thing with Ottavino has always been the risk that he brings to the table because remember, he is like slow as molasses to home plate. Uh, and he has allowed, I think it's like uh, when I was looking at something earlier, the amount of steals, the amount of stolen bases he has allowed when he's been on the mound uh, over the past three years, uh, there have been, uh, what was the number? 22, 19, and 22. So that's 44, 19, 63 stolen bases over the past three seasons while he's been on the mound because he's that slow to home plate. But his best defense and preventing problems is just striking dudes out. And Adovino continues to do that. And I would say my, my initial gut was is like, how could a team put him in the closing role? Uh, when Ottavino is is allowing that many stolen bases. But two of the past three seasons, he's ended up with double-digit saves. He did it with Boston in 21. He did it with the Mets last year and had 12 last year. So he has his flaws. But if 
Edwin Diaz, if his knee is not 100%, and Lord, I hope it is because I took him in the fourth round. Uh, but if Edwin Diaz's knee isn't 100% or something goes wrong, Adovino did it last year. Why can't he do it again? He's not perfect. He's definitely had Adovino definitely has his flaws, but he still makes it work. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if Edwin Diaz is good, uh, Edwin Diaz is going to be the closer there. But uh, at this point, there's, you know, he's uh, Adam Adovino is a really, really good pitcher that can provide strikeouts, pick up the occasional saves. So I do like Adam Adovino as a guy in deeper, deeper leagues. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, Diaz is supposed to be back healthy. He should be fine. So hopefully I drafted him. So I'll say this in the, in the 50 draft and hold, uh, I will be taking out at some point. Uh, I may lose him, but I, you know, in that, since I have Diaz, I'm not going to reach for out but if he's still sitting out there at some point, I will probably end up taking him because it, it makes sense. If I've got that investment, who else, you know, where, where else could they possibly go? If something goes wrong, maybe go with that with a guy who had 11 saves last year or 12. So I'll, I'll, I'll look to um, add him in the reserves. All right. Um, Adam Frazier signs a deal to go to the Royals. Uh, this is really frustrating for me because I'm, I was a big Michael Massey fan. I've drafted him in a bunch of spots. <laughs> uh, this complicates things. Is uh, Adam Frazier going to be kind of the everyday guy at second base and kind of screw uh, Michael Massey. Hope not. Uh, you know, my initial reaction when I saw this news was, but why? Then, yeah. you know, so last year in Baltimore, Baltimore brings him back uh, because they had all that youth. They needed some veteran experience. And honestly, that's what I'm hoping the Royals are doing here with Adam Frazier is not to do what the Royals have historically done. And, you know, the old Royals regime, let's bring in old washed up players and, and, and impact the playing time of our future. So for me, I would like to see Frazier hanging around, influencing Michael Massey, influencing Michael Garcia, you know, using that veteran leadership. Because as I look, um, he is the second oldest. Only Sal Perez is older. Um, oh, he's got a month on Hunter Renfro. So he's the second oldest guy on this team. And so I'm hoping they're bringing him in for experience and a safety net and not as a primary, not as a primary piece uh, with that. I mean, Frazier... He's not, this doesn't make him mixed league viable. You're going to have to take him in an AL only league. Uh, but to me, this, this should not be a, he's going to be in the lineup. This should be a backup insurance policy because they need to play their future. They should not be messing with their future and saying, oh, Massey, I'm sorry. You've had a weak slump. We're putting Frazier in the job. I would hate to see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I really hope that this isn't the case. Um, I mean, right now they, you know, Ross Resource still has Massey as the guy, but this just feels like another situation in which like they are just gonna screw the guy that we like, right? They did this the Edward Oliveris for years. Um, and now they're gonna screw Michael Massey. So I'm definitely a bit concerned. Um, and uh, I don't know how exactly I'm gonna handle it quite yet, but I'll figure it out tonight. I'm gonna sit down and, and think about this and, and update my projection <laughs> on both these guys and Hope to God, uh, you know, that uh, my Michael Massey shares weren't ruined, but I definitely am pumping the brakes a little bit um, at this point. Uh, Carlos Carrasco going to the Guardians. Any interest? Uh, but why 2.0? Uh, it's, it's a nice feel-good story that he gets to come back home. He's on a minor league deal uh, with an invite to camp. So that'll be uh, a nice thing to uh, – a nice story. But but why? Uh, I. No, they've got better options. Uh, and unless he comes back and they're like, oh, why don't you try the relief thing? 
then I'm enter it as a starter pass. And I'm on mute. I, I'm so unenthused by the Carlos Carrasco to Cleveland uh, signing that um, I, I didn't take myself. I'd be good. Like, if they, like I said, if they put him in the bullpen, like, hey, just why don't you try this out? But other than that, no, I, I don't understand why they're doing this. He did not look good last year. Well, and I mean, they've got a full rotation. Obviously, yeah. they've got a lot of risk. Maybe, maybe this is the beginning before another move. Maybe they're going to try to move Bieber or something like that. And they're like, okay, Carrasco, keep our fifth guy, see if it works out. But at this point, there's no spot for him in the rotation. So uh, until I see something open up, if there's an injury, uh, if there is a trade, then um, uh, I uh, would be more interested. But like you said, he was bad last year. And I think at this point in his career, the best is over. So uh, no real interest in Carlos Carrasco for me as well. Alex Wood signing a deal to go to Oakland. Just going to take the bridge across the bay, go over to Oakland and pitch there. Any interest in Alex Wood? I, I would take Alex Wood in a 50-man in a fifty man draft and hold. Uh, if the matchups are right, uh, you know, it's team context. It's Oakland, you know, wins are going to be problematic. But the ballpark perfectly fits his pitching style of soft contact, the extra foul territory. So you could see with the right matchups that he's usable uh, as a potential streamer. And this, like his ADP over the past month is like 682. It's like he's been, it's only a 50 uh, person, but I could see him ending up on some 12 team AL only reserve list and then using him uh, as a particular option. So if Alex Wood was going to sign anywhere, this would have been the place even then. I don't know if he's going to be able to give you more than eight viable fantasy starts and maybe they flip him, and then he can flip somewhere else. But this at least moves the needle. I'm like, well, that's not bad. Uh, let's see how this plays out. I mean, at least you know that they're not going to play the same kind of games that the giants played in terms of only letting them throw a few innings at a time. Right. right. Like, so from like, it's, it's weird because usually from a fantasy perspective, when someone goes to Oakland, we're like, oh, well, that just murders their value. Um, but in some ways, it actually kind of helps his value. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, only started 12 games last year, only won five games. If he only wins five games in Oakland, that's probably having a pretty good season in terms <laughs> of the uh, amount of innings pitch. Um, you know, you can't count on much from Alex Wood, but I think he's a streamer in good matchups. It is a good part. Uh, and we have seen, uh, you know, him put it together, you know, over the course of a full season before where everything goes right. So could that happen in Oakland? And then he gets traded to a contender where he could win some more games. Absolutely. So and yeah, if you look I, at looking at the projections, you know, St uh, steamers got him for seven wins, four forty four ERA and a, uh, and a one thirty nine whip. So ratios are problematic. I don't know if these have been updated for the, the, uh, the move to Oakland and all that, but if you look what, Woods done previous seasons, you know, even in 2022, 130 innings, 131 strikeouts. Now the ERA was bad, but Oakland should, you know, that should help that out a little bit. So we know where he's possible. It double digit wins is going to be an absolute miracle, uh, absolute miracle. But the other thing, the strikeouts would be there. Like I said, it's matchup dependent for Wood, but this at least he's not, I'm not dismissing him out of hand as I would have like, oh, hey, Alex Wood is signed with Cleveland. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, it's just not much of a thing for me because I don't know if he'd even make that rotation. He's making yeah. the rotation in Oakland. Somebody's going to draft him. Yeah, um, I I think that uh, Wood is a, a pretty decent person.
purchase in a deep league? Obviously, 10s and 12s, and even most 15s, I don't think. Like, would you draft him in a, a regular 15-team league? No. Okay. Here's a, so take, taking away Mason Miller, I'm looking at ADP in January. Take Mason Miller out because Mason Miller's got an ADP of 211 because people are drafting him as a closer. What's the highest ADP of any other Oakland pitcher? I would assume it's Luis Medina, and I would assume that's around five, pick 500. Uh, it is J.P. Sears at 393. Oh, Luis Medina is at 570. Uh, yeah. so, it's like and I've we have both and Joe Boyle is at 445. There's like two Oakland pitchers that are currently going in shallow draft. Two. Yeah. I mean, I've drafted both Medina and Sears in D.C.'s, but like in – in a fab league, I don't know that I really want them just because Oakland's chances of winning are so low. Yeah. Yep. So let's finish Indeed. out with uh, Robbie Ray. A uh, little bit of update on him. He has said that best case scenario that he could pitch around the all-star break. I'm not drafting Robbie Ray anyways. Um, right. But uh, does this change anything for you? No, I wasn't drafting him either. I'm just looking at the impact of that. So if he's saying best case scenario, all-star break then that pushes that, you know, that likely pushes them into August because you know the, the rule of thumb we have on this podcast. Whatever the player says, add two to three weeks to it. Uh, so that gets them into August, and that's why I was surprised to see Robbie Ray's ADP still in the 500 somewhere. Uh, I would say it speaks better for the the future, like uh, Keaton Wynn uh, sticking in the road and not losing that spot, or Kyle Harrison, and those are the two young kids with it. Uh, Ross Stripling is adding some kind of crazy pitch I saw the other day. I forgot what he's not calling it the Devastator, but calling it something else. Um, so it's like their, their rotation, uh, you know, Alex Cobb will beat Robbie Ray back to the rotation. So that's your fear of one of the kids losing their job is when Robbie Ray, when uh, Alex Cobb comes back uh, in that situation. But I'm, I'm more interested in the younger arms in that rotation if Robbie Ray is now gone for two thirds of the season. I mean, other than using a, late 40s round pick on him i don't understand the interest in and in using and having a dead spot in your lineup for like four months at a minimum uh not in your lineup but on your on your depth chart uh with him i'd rather take somebody else who has some upside uh and just punt robbie ray off to 2025 yeah yeah i i completely agree i'd love to see him get back on the mound this year and pitch so we can see how he looks see that he's healthy get some innings under his belt. So that way he's built up more for 2025. But this is a strict 2025 play. I never draft these guys coming off of Tommy Johnny, especially if they're coming back mid season. Like yeah. there's just, there's just no upside. There's, and there's a ton of downside. Like this is the kind of guy, if he looks really good for some reason at this, uh, uh the all-star break, you, you pick, try to pick him up off of waivers. But, um, yeah. I, I don't think you want to draft him and then hold him for half a season, especially with all the pitching injuries we saw last year. You'd have to think with them shortening the uh, pitch clock again, we may see more injuries. Don't add this kind of risk. <laughs> and and the other piece, it gets down by the time he comes back in August, your season could be over. And yep. so, like if you if you would have taken Alex Wood versus Robbie Ray, Alex Wood, you'll be able to use and pick your spots, but you'll be able to use them. Whereas Robbie Ray just going to be sitting there. You know, I remember last year it got down to the point where I had to start Michael Lorenzen as he was like bleeding out in September because I didn't have anybody else. Uh, and I was trying to chase, trying to chase a couple of things. So it was like either dead spot. Uh, no, I need these numbers. And so I had to try and it, it cost me. I felt a third place in a DC because of it. But I remember taking 27 hitters, 23 pitchers. And for me, if I'm staring at that and part, part of that problem is some of my pitchers ended up getting hit early in the season. 
And so I had I, those were just dead spots to me all year. I can't imagine staring at a dead spot in April, May, June, July, and then hoping it comes back in early August. By then, you see you could be out of reach. So get some get some players that you could use all throughout the season. Pick your battles, uh, and then you know in a in a DC if you don't have Robbie Ray for six weeks, oh well. Uh, in other leagues, wait. Don't even burn the roster. Just wait until he comes up and see what he is. All right. Uh, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, Jason, uh, got what do you got going on? And where can people reach you at? Yeah. So, uh, again, so, uh, tune in tonight to Pitcher List for my slot at 8 o'clock Eastern uh, as I interview Sarah Langs and Meg Rowley uh, about hot takes for the 2024 season. So looking forward to hearing what those two women have to say about things and then uh i am wrapping up the bold prediction series i think this is early uh, this may be the earliest i've ever wrapped it up but i this week will be the al will be the ales the final installment of those over in the collect calls column at rotowire and i will be writing up heston kirstad deal hall tristan cassis nick pavetta juan soto tommy canley austin shenton colby white david schneider and chad green of 10 players that i'm spotlighting in that uh, and so looking forward to that. But again, this is the earliest. So I'll, I will have put 60 bold predictions out there, 30 for hitters, 30 for pitchers. Uh, and you could use them against me in drafts, as everybody usually does and mentions it as I'm uh, bidding on somebody. So, uh, yeah, there's that. And then, like I said, I've been looking at uh, I've been trying to be more active in the podcast discord. Uh, so keep an eye on things in there uh, so we can interact. And I see some comments on the YouTube channel and appreciate those. And, um, yeah, that's that's really about it this week. You. What about you? You're muted again. <laughs> I'm, I'm just <laughs> off my game today. Um, so uh, I am on the PitchCon panel this afternoon, uh, really in a, just about an hour. So uh, you won't hear this if you're listening to this in podcast form, only on the YouTube. Um, but uh, you can go back and watch the old panels because Nick will, I'm sure, put them up on yeah. that. Uh I'm running for Fantasy Pros. I'm running for Fangraphs. Uh, and uh, TGFBI signups are coming to a close here pretty soon. So if you want to get I signed TGFBI, up already, right? I think you're I signed up. You're good. Okay, cool. Uh, you would have gotten multiple <laughs> emails if you hadn't signed up yet. Uh, but yeah, TGFBI is coming up. And uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're I'm really, really excited for that. Uh, satellite Leagues, if you want to try to win your way into next year's TGFBI. Uh, that will wrap us up for Jason and myself. Thank you for listening. A fantastic baseball season. Thanks for listening. <laughs>